Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. It seems like Jesus picks a strange time to talk about joy. See these words we just heard him speak about love, abiding in him, obeying his commands, calling us friends, choosing us. These words about his joy, they were all spoken right before he was arrested and killed. This passage is part of what we call the farewell discourse. When Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples and friends, this is, this is last words kind of stuff all the things he wants to say to them before he leaves, everything he wants them to know. One of his last opportunities to to tell and show just, just how much he loves them. Because next, next comes betrayal and arrest, a false trial, and pain, and the cross, and death. So we might, we might expect Jesus to be down, and upset, and troubled, even scared, but instead, he's talking about joy. Joy in the face of everything he's about to experience. The only other place where the word joy is used in the Gospel of John is early on in the story. Jesus had just appeared on the scene after John the Baptist had been baptizing people and preaching for a while. John had had gained a following. He had his own disciples, his own movement, his own celebrity status. And then Jesus showed up and he started preaching and teaching and baptizing his own disciples. And, And some of John's people got upset John, this Jesus guy is stealing your thunder. He's baptizing people too, and they're following him now instead of you. But instead of being upset, John told his followers that now his joy was complete. Isn't that something? Faced with the fact that his own ministry was coming to an end, 
that he was about to lose most of his status and his followers, that his time in the spotlight was now over, John wasn't troubled or angry or jealous. Instead, he's talking about joy. Joy in the face of everything he's about to experience. You know, joy is something that is hard to define. We know that joy isn't the same thing as happiness. Happiness is is more fleeting, temporary. It comes and goes more quickly based on, on what's happening around us. Our world spends a lot of time chasing after happiness. And being happy is good, but no matter what we see in magazines or on social media, even with all the money and possessions and toys in the world, it's impossible to be happy all the time. Jesus and John the Baptist are not talking about happiness. They're talking about joy. Joy is something deeper more permanent, something that lasts and abides, something that remains with us and in us, no matter our present circumstances. Joy can be found in unexpected places. You know, back when I was in seminary, which I think was like 70 years ago at this point, one semester we had this contest on campus, and And before I tell you what the contest was, and you pass all kinds of judgment, I just want to remind you that this was seminary, okay? We all loved books and debating theology and talking about people who had been dead for hundreds of years, and everybody was a huge nerd, including me, maybe including Pastor Sarah. No, not Pastor Sarah. All right, good. So the contest, the contest was this. To sum up the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in 10 words or less. And I know it sounds nerdy, but seminary, okay? We had a lot of fun with this contest, and some of my classmates came up with fantastic responses. Like, no matter what you've done, you're forgiven. That's a good one. Or, um, God wins over sin and evil now and always. Not too shabby, right? One of them was, everything broken will be healed. I like that one a lot. But the response I loved the most came from one of our teaching assistants. He summed up the good news of Jesus with these words. He said, against all evidence to the contrary, God loves you. And the reason I liked this so much is because there are so many things in life that make us wonder if God loves us, or or maybe even if God exists at all. So many experiences that, that test our faith and our hope. So many things in this world that can cause us to doubt and make us feel like we are just so far from God's kingdom and love. But the good news of Jesus is that God remains with us through it all. The love of Jesus remains with us through it all. 
There is nothing in all of creation, nothing in our lives, nothing we can do, nothing that's done to us, nothing we experience that can separate us from the love of Jesus. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. This morning we heard that Jesus calls us friends, that before any of us were able to choose him, he chose us. We have Jesus always. He abides in us as we abide in him. And this is the reason for and the source of our joy. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love and presence of Jesus, which means that nothing in this world can steal away our joy. And I know that talking about joy right now might seem silly or out of touch or even inappropriate. You don't need me to tell you what the past year has been like. It's been full of sorrow. And this morning we feel sorrow as we grieve the death of our beloved friend, Ron. And yet, Jesus shows us that this is exactly the right time to talk about joy. That this is when our joy can help to sustain us. This is precisely the moment to reflect on our joy, to acknowledge that the present circumstances, as difficult as they may be, cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ. And that's true for Ron, too. And it's cause for great joy. This is why Jesus could talk about joy as he faced the cross. He knew it couldn't take away his connection to God. He knew that his death would accomplish big things, like, like a woman suffering the pain of childbirth to bring new life into the world. He knew that even death could not separate him from the people that he loves, including us. This is why John the Baptist could talk about joy as he faced obscurity and loss. He could diminish with joy because he knew that Jesus arriving on the scene was cause for celebration and that the trials that he would soon face could not separate him from Jesus' love. This is why so many people of faith talk about joy in the midst of trials and sorrows, why I've sat next to so many dying people and heard them express joy and longing. Joy can be found in these moments because the connection that we have with Jesus remains and cannot be broken by them or by any other circumstances. Joy can be found even in the worst of times because we continue to abide in Jesus. And he abides in us. And nothing can take that relationship away. And there is a deep truth for us to find here. When I think about the things in life that bring me the most joy, the answer is easy. My wife, Annie, and our daughter, Penny, See, it's relationships that bring meaning and joy to our lives. 
That's part of the reason why this pandemic has been so difficult, because it's messed with our relationships and our ability to connect with people. This morning, Jesus calls us to invest in our relationships with others, because joy and abundant life is not found in independence or self-reliance, but in loving relationships with other people. That's why a few months ago, when our church council got together, we decided that our emphasis and mission in 2020 would be to help build community and strengthen relationships in our church. We have some incredible people on our council, and they've come up with some really fun and creative ideas. Over the next few weeks and months, you're going to hear about sending care packages to our students and and putting signs in people's front lawns and creating intergenerational pen pals and launching a new book club and opportunities to serve with other people at a meal packaging event and a fun way to get to know more about people in our church, even those people you've known for a long time. All of these things will help us to to stay connected and to form new relationships, and our joy will grow. If we're searching for joy, this morning Jesus tells us where to look. The truest joy that we can know, joy that will abide in us and sustain us, comes from our relationship with him. And while we can't just make ourselves feel joy, today, this morning, now, we can hear that God is the source of our joy, that Jesus is our joy. And to abide in Jesus is to have God's love abide in us. To have God's joy abide in us. So no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, I hope that against all evidence to the contrary, you know that God loves you. And I pray that you know Jesus and that through your relationship with him, you may know and experience joy. Amen.